you're tuning in to the Chief Hustler Podcast, where we will shatter the status quo and propel change-making women to redefine their career on their own terms. I'm your host, Amber, and we will focus on empowering women to not only be heard, but valued. The show will surface and resurface the topics that often go unaddressed in today's male-dominated industries and corporate cultures. We're here to reframe what it means to be a successful woman at work and relentlessly strive for excellence in everything we do. Let's get started. What's going on, Hustler family? How are you doing? My name is Amber, and welcome to the Chief Hustler Podcast. Today, we are going to dive into something that is near and dear to my heart, but it is hitting you with the facts and figures around women of color in the workplace, why it's an issue, and what I think we can do together to close the gap. Okay, so let's dive in. I have been doing a lot of reading, specifically an article from HBR that I will link in the show notes that talks a lot about why women of color get the least support in the workplace. And I want to expose the data, share the data, because I think information is so powerful, but then also talk through what I think are some of the actionable steps we all can take today to start to change the conversation. So I'm just going to read you a quick excerpt from the article, and you can read the full article on your own time, and I'll link it in the show notes. But it says, according to a recent Nielsen survey, 64% of black women in in the United States agree their goal is to make it to the top of their professions. That's nearly double the percentage of non-Hispanic white women with the same goal. McKinsey and LeanIn.org, meanwhile, report that 83% of Asian women, 80% of black women, and 76% of Latinas say they want to be promoted, compared to 75% of men and 68% of white women in their study. So by and large, what this data is suggesting is that women of color, black women, Latinas, and Asian women want to be promoted far more than their counterparts in the workplace. However, despite representing 18% of the population, women of color only represent 4% of C-suite level positions in 2018. Now I'm going to just pause there because I don't know about you. But that is crazy to think that they are the most ambitious, women of color are the most ambitious, but yet are the least represented in the C-suite. How is that possible? That's a question I keep asking myself. Why is it that way? Well, it just so happens to suggest later on in the article, this idea that we as human beings tend to friend, mentor, and support people that look and identify the way we do. So... If you happen to be in a workspace where you are the only one or one of very few, when you look across the organization, when you look to leadership, there may just not be anyone that looks like you, identifies the way you identify, and therefore potentially creates this barrier for you to get the type of support and advocacy that you need in an organization. Now, I'm going to hit you with that, but I'm also going to tell you a little story about myself personally. I've been here. I've been here. I've been on the receiving end of conversations where leaders in the workplace did not want to mentor me because we were a different gender and we were a different race. Swear to you, that has happened to me. So this feels very close to home. And women of color, again, Asian, Latina, Black women are feeling this way across a variety of organizations 
all around the country. But what's interesting is that in most cases, we are oftentimes the only one or one of very few in our organization. So one might ask, well, if there aren't people around the room that look like us that can support us and and advocate for us, then what else do we do? How do we thrive, not just survive and exist in these workplaces, but how do we thrive? Well, that's to me what this particular podcast episode is really about, which is allyship, really making sure that there's support across gender, support across race, through all elements of intersectionality so that minority groups feel like they are supported, heard, and valued. And most importantly, they're given the same opportunities to show up and to thrive and to be promoted just as their counterparts are. Now, the data already suggests that they're super ambitious. So they're probably already, in many cases, outperforming or performing on parity with top achievers. They're probably already doing the work behind the scenes to gain the education, to gain the skills, to gain the the tools and the strategies that they need to, to be considered for the next job or the next promotion. But there's no one in the company that might be advocating for them. I'll leave you with this extra data point, and then I will start to pivot to talk about how we can start to change this conversation. It says later down in this article that while 42% of companies check for bias in reviews and promotions by gender, only 18% track outcomes for the compounding bias of race and gender. Tracking the performance of women of color and the velocity and rate at which they are hired and promoted versus their peers is the only way to measure progress in creating a more diverse leadership bench. I have, I have said this on the podcast in the past, and I certainly have said this in, on Instagram on The Chief Hustler, which is this idea of intersectionality. People show up as whole beings, and their identities are multifaceted. It's not just about being a woman. It's not just about being a man. It's about being a cis man or cis woman or a cis black woman or a transgender black woman or a Jewish lesbian. Whatever it is, people come to the workplace and rather, you know, more broadly, the world, their, their whole selves, and they bring all of their identity to the workplace, whether you see it or not. There are things about us as individuals that we identify with that can be seen and there are th- or assumed, and then there are things that cannot be seen. You can, you can assume my gender, but un- unless you see my actual body parts, you can't officially confirm, but you assume that I identify a certain gender expression this way, for example. That may be one of the most overt ways to identify someone. And certainly another way is, of course, the race in a lot of ways or most circumstances. But in other cases, the identity is not as obvious, right? Sexuality, preferences around other layers of identity, religion, you know, background. It's really hard to tell where someone came from and what street or hood or suburb they grew up in by just looking at a person. It's really hard to do that, right? But We, as human beings, have a bias. We have unconscious bias around people, all all of us as human beings. And we filter the world 
our assumptions and how we interact with people based on that unconscious bias. Now, if you've never taken unconscious bias training and you have, maybe this is your first time having the conversation around unconscious bias, Harvard has an immense amount of free resources. I think they have well over 15 different type of unconscious bias tests on different categories like race, gender, religion, and so on and so forth. You could take the test and just get a sense for what your own unconscious bias is. We all have them. None of us are exempt from that. Some of us tend to have them uh, in different ways. Um, for instance, it's it's fairly common, no matter who you are, that that we have this assumption that, you know, men are more present in STEM fields than women, which statistically is technically true. But therefore, that creates an unconscious bias around, well, women can't do engineering jobs or women can't be scientists or women can't be physicists, which is not at all true. And so that, that unconscious bias then can impact who we hire, who we interview, who we promote, who we build relationships with, who our friendships are, all of that. And so I say all that to say this. We all have to check our unconscious bias here. And me being a person who has actually suffered in a scenario in which someone wasn't willing to mentor me because I didn't have their same gender, as they assumed, and race, it created a barrier to me being supported in an organization. I'm not alone there. I know I'm not the only one that's had that experience. Whether you know for a fact that's happened to you or whether that's happened in the background and outcomes have happened because of that decision that you knew about, but maybe you didn't know the reason why those outcomes were what they were. But those things are happening. We have to check our bias at the door because what the data shows is that women of color are the most ambitious in the workplace. And not just black women, but Latina women and Asian women are the most ambitious by and large with the numbers, which therefore means that even if they are the minority in the room, they probably got a lot to say. They have a lot of goals and they have a lot of dreams and they're probably putting those things to action in the background. And they need allies. They need people in the room that are willing to advocate for them, support them, mentor them, sponsor them. Now, I won't spend time on this specific episode talking through the differences between mentorship, advocacy, and sponsorship because I've done that very early in the podcast journey, I think on episode three or four. However, I do want to use those words intentionally to suggest that there are layers to this. And whether you, as a listener on this podcast, are a young, aspiring woman in career looking to grow, looking to get that first promotion or that next title or your first six-figure salary, whatever it is, you want more. You know you're capable, you know you're smart, and you know that you need and want help to get there. If you are that person, you need to Make sure that you're building meaningful relationships within the organization, not just in your function, but across the company so that you can have advocates, so that you can have mentors, so that you can have sponsors. If someone says no to you, go to the next person, but make sure that you're identifying people in the organization that you respect, that you value, that you would appreciate spending personal one-on-one time with so that you can have advocates in the room for you on your behalf. Know that it won't happen overnight but it's very possible. If you are not a woman of color, if you are not a woman, be an ally. Do do the daring, bold thing. Mentor people, support people that maybe don't look like you, don't identify the way you identify, and create a safe space for, for minority women to thrive. And minority in this context is both 
It could be a male-dominated field where there just are very few women. And or it could also be minority women in the context of black women, women of color, whatever it is. But regardless of the data and the makeup of your organization, there are people, there are women who are in the minority that need the support, that are ambitious, that want more. They just need a chance. And if you were that woman, this is about just as much of what you bring to it as others welcome welcome for you. So I encourage you to step into your power and be vocal. If you want to mentor, if you want to start having those conversations with leaders in your organization, if you've been holding back on that, perhaps it's maybe time to now become best friends with one of the admins so you can get on somebody's calendar and have lunch with them. And if you're a person who says, I want to help other women thrive, I want to help other women, if you are a woman yourself, bring other women to the table. Invite them, encourage them. And that's true in the traditional day-to-day work sense, but that's also true in the context of the conferences we go to and the things outside of the workplace that we go to. I'll give you an example. I have consistently gone to conferences and been a part of industry-wide events. And when I got invited, I would always ask, who else is in the room? How many women do you have in the room? If you don't have enough women, if I don't think you have enough women, here's a list of five other women I think that you ought to invite to be speakers, to be on your panel, not just to attend your conference, but to go and, and actually provide thought leadership. And so I consistently bring other women along for the things that I'm doing. And that helps me and it helps them. And that in turn creates an opportunity that those those women then, if the roles were reversed, they pull me up and then we pull more women and it becomes this chain reaction. But that can be true in the boardroom and the conference rooms that you're in every single day at work. You've been appointed to tackle a new project. Great. Maybe you can bring another woman into the project team. You you are a governing body that has a lot of ability to make the decision on who gets to work on the project. Look at your pipeline of women, and it's time for women to take up space. Unapologetically, with plenty of confidence, take up space in these boardrooms, in these meeting rooms, in these organizations, with leadership and opportunity, period. I fundamentally believe that. So women of color are the most underrepresented group in corporate America. They're the least supported, but yet they're the most ambitious. How do we solve that problem? Each of us, each of us taking a daily commitment to do more, to ask tough questions of our leadership, to ask tough questions of our organization, to raise our hand, to recommend, to uplift, to support, to put your own name in the hat if you are that woman, to invite more women to the table, to invite more women to the conversation. With every single moment in which a woman could be brought into the fold, we should do our part to make sure that she's there. And collectively, each one of us showing up in our in, in the spheres of influence that we have daily will start to change the conversation. It will start to change the numbers. It won't be overnight. It'll be slow, but it can happen. But I, fund- I fundamentally believe you can't change what you aren't present for. 
even when it's uncomfortable and even when it's hard. So even if the conversation around bringing more women to the table is a difficult one, I'm still willing to have it because if I'm in that room, that means I have a voice and I can use that voice to affect change. I can influence the people in the room if I'm present. Getting in the room sometimes is the hardest part for women specifically. And I think that we need to continue to make sure that when we are in the room, that we bring, we use our opportunity and use the position of power that we have and influence to bring more women to the conversation. But even when in the room, we need to use our voice to have the tough conversations. Change is uncomfortable. It ought to be. When you are asking people to seek a higher version of themselves, it will require discomfort. You will not put people at ease by having these conversations. You will, however, create an opportunity to have a tough conversation and create room for everyone to grow. And I will never sit here and promise to you that the conversations will always end with a yes. I'm not that naive. But I do know if you keep showing up day in, day out, I'm confident that over time and eventually in the collective power of each one of us in our own spaces, in our own realms of influence, every single day, we can start to change the conversation. I'm not here to just accept what is. That's not enough for me. I want to acknowledge what is and talk about what to do differently so that we can create what's next. That is what's in it for me. And I ask you, what's in it for you? And if you're a woman of color and you're like, what's in it for me is to just get in the room, then build your network, get the mentors, get people on your side, have those conversations, do all of that. If you're not a person of color, if you're not, if you're not a woman of color, if you're not a woman, this is a great time to be an ally, a great time to show up, stand up, be vocal about what you believe in. If you really believe you want to change these numbers, if you believe that the most ambitious in the room ought to be well represented within the C-suite, it starts with each of us doing our part. And here's the thing. You're not going to get a no from an ambitious woman. An ambitious woman is a force to be reckoned with. And so if you know her or if you are her, support her. Lift her up. Because she needs you. I need you. And I promise you together, we'll make the world a better place. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Chief Hustler Podcast, where we are focused on propelling change-making women to redefine their career on their own terms. I hope that with this episode, we've had another opportunity together to reframe what it means to be a successful woman at work and relentlessly strive for excellence in everything you do. As always, I want to thank you for your time as it is your most valuable position. There are a few ways to join the conversation. First, by following the Chief Hustler on Instagram and sharing in your perspective. Second is by sharing this episode on the podcast or others in a way that's authentic to you. This community is nothing without you. And you sharing means the most to me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep hustling. Bye.